You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. We're beginning a new series that we're calling Fixing Our Eyes. It comes from the passage of Scripture in Hebrews that we looked at briefly a few weeks ago. If you want to turn there in your Bible, it's Hebrews chapter 12, the first few verses there. And in this series, we're going to be focusing on our relationship with God, this this upward, inward, and outward relationship. Riverside is about three things, revering God, Connecting with others in authentic relationships and community, authentic community and contributing to others around us. We heard that recently too, David talking about our C groups applying to those two C's. Would you stand with me? We're going to read the scripture out loud together and I invite you to follow along, read along and let this speak to your heart as we read. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus, help us today to fix our eyes on you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Keeping your eye on the prize. That's what we're talking about. But how many of you know it's easy to get out of focus? It's easy to get distracted, right? It is. We all get distracted. I mean, we can decide to follow Jesus, but I guarantee you the enemy of your soul has a lot of other plans for your life and uh, will do everything to distract you. And so it's just easy to get distracted, easy to get out of focus. I easily do that. I don't know how many of you suffer from adult ADD. I, I think I do because I can so easily get distracted. And, uh, and in life, there are too many things that can do that. Sometimes those distractions can cause devastating circumstances. How many of you have seen that public service commercial about texting and driving? Have you seen that? Oh, gosh, that's horrendous. Makes me think twice about it, right? And uh, keep my phone on the, on the, away while I'm, while I'm driving. If it's an emergency, I need to pull over. But, but uh, the consequences can be devastating if you get distracted when you're going one direction and you take your eyes off of that direction just for a few seconds, it could really hurt you. Now, I, I had a, something that happened a couple months ago. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't anything like that. I wasn't driving distracted, but I was riding my bike. Actually, David Kennard and I decided uh, it was a Saturday morning and uh, it was a beautiful day. Let's go on a bike ride. I love riding the trails along Pittsburgh, don't you? I mean, how many of you get to do that? You ride the bike trails. If you haven't done that yet, you know, you might be an adult and say, I haven't ridden a bike since I was a kid. I'll tell you what, it'll make you feel like a kid again if you do it. And uh, so we do that. Uh, uh, I love to ride along the trails in Pittsburgh, some great trails. So this day we, we parked down at Millvale. We rode all the way down past the stadiums down to the Western Penn. Turned around, came back, 
drove in, rode into the city around the, the point, and then we went across the Smithfield. No, actually, I think we went up by the prison and took that side of the mall and crossed the uh, hot metal bridge, and then went up to the waterfront. And uh, it's getting about lunchtime. We were going to stop at the waterfront, get lunch, and we're just trekking along, having a beautiful day, riding, and uh, I think we were probably around the 17-mile mark at that point, and, and I'm just like, you know, cruising along on my bike, and I'm clipped into my pedals, and, and I got my helmet on. I'm, you know, doing the safety thing, but we're going along by sandcastles. You know where sandcastles is? And uh, we're heading up toward the waterfront, and um, uh, on the trail there, you have the road that borders sandcastles, and then you have the railroad tracks on the other side, and it's a paved road. It's, it's a nice trail. But it's not that wide. It might be a little bit wider than my wingspan here and uh, shorter than Dave Kennard's wingspan because this is twice as long as mine. But um, we're riding along and I'm in front and, and just enjoying the beautiful day. I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm going to be a Chick-fil-A soon. I can get my lunch and, and uh, grab a milkshake and reward myself for a long ride. And, and, uh, and I'm just going down the road, and I, I, uh, uh, and I am in that trail there in that narrow spot, and I start to hear the railroad tracks hum, and I'm thinking, ah, there's a train coming. So I'm just pedaling along, going down, and, and I'm just looking over at the tracks, looking through the fence, and just enjoying the view and thinking about it, and I'm drifting, and I didn't realize it because my eyes were over there, and I, and I clipped the chain link fence and stopped instantly and went head over heels and crashed hard on the ground. And uh, out of breath, wasn't sure if I was, you know, how many bones I broke or whatever was going on. I was stunned, you know. You hit hard like that when you're going about 14 miles an hour and you hit a, hit a, hit a brick wall, and I'm clipped in, so I went right over. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know. And it took me a while to catch my breath, and I was in horrendous pain. And uh, Dave's saying, can I call 911? No, no, no. And he starts saying, no, don't take pictures. And so, <laughs> that's David. He would have had it posted on Facebook before I even could breathe if he wanted to. <laughs> so, finally, I was able to sit up, and finally, I was able to get back on. My walk, my, both my wheels were bent, and we rode back down to... Uh, to REI to see if they could get repaired. And anyhow, here's the, here's the point. Here's the point that I want to make. I took my eyes off the path. And, and I, was, I, was, I didn't know I was drifting, but where your eyes are set, you're going to get. Right? Where your eyes are set, you're going to get. What, say that with me. Where, where my eyes are set, I will get. Where my eyes are set, I will get. And, and that's what happened to me. I, I took my eyes off of that. And so this morning, really what I want to talk about is, is, is maybe you're here this morning and you haven't realized it. You, you know you want to follow Jesus. Most of you are here because of that. I don't think you would be here if you didn't. But, uh, or maybe you're just seeking Jesus and you don't know how to do that. But, 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 but how many of you, like me, can get easily distracted by the things of life? And you're here because... You want to keep on the path, but tomorrow will you be able to be distracted from that path? And, and in life in general, sometimes you'll be able to hear, and you might not even know that you've drifted from the path. You might not even be aware of that. And maybe you're here this morning, and you've drifted, and you're like, I need to get back on the path. I need to, 
I've been distracted, and it's not always bad things that get you distracted. Or maybe, you know, you've just lost that internal GPS signal that keeps you on the right path, and you found yourself in a bad spot. You've been heading in the wrong destination, and, and now you realize, I need to do something to get my life back on track. Well, I want you to know today's a good day to do that. Today's a good day to get your life back on track. And so I want you to recalibrate, and we're going to do that. So here's the point. If your eyes are set on Jesus, I promise you, you're going to get your life to a better place than if they're distracted from Jesus. Where your eyes are set, you're going to get. And the scripture that we read gives us some, some clear wisdom on that end. And so I just want to take a, a, pick this apart a little bit and, and talk about that and several things that I want to say. First of all, he begins with, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... And so if you want to set your eyes back on Jesus, then hear the crowd that's cheering you on. Surround yourself with that heavenly crowd that's cheering you on. Now, the text here is talking about chapter 11. If you recall, we looked at this several weeks ago, the hall of faith, all those people of the, of the Hebrew scriptures where the writer of Hebrews just flipping through the scriptures and he's talking about Abraham and Moses and, and, and Jephthah and Gideon and Samson and, and all these people of the old, old... And he's just kind of flipping through the pages of the Hebrew scriptures and he's saying... All of these people started in one place, but because they had faith, they ended in another place. They started, Abraham was in one place, but he believed God and God took him to another place. Moses was in one place and he got the burning bush and went back to Egypt and then helped those people who were in one place get to another place. And, and faith is the idea of seeing a destination that God has for you and believing that that's the destination has for you and then following that path to get to that destination. And it's so easy for us to lose our focus on that destination that God has for us. And it may look different for all of us, but it's keeping your eyes on Jesus that will get you to that destination. So, so uh, this, this idea of, of imagining, what the writer does here is he says, I want you to imagine these folks who've done that in the past, and now they've gone on, I want you to imagine that now you're in the race because they already ran the race. They completed the race and they received their reward. But now they get to be in this heavenly crowd that's cheering you on. And maybe you're running a marathon and they're lining the road for you and saying, way to go. That's great. You did well. Or you're in a stadium and you're in the field and there they're cheering you on. And you're saying, but can people in heaven really see me? You know what? I don't know if that's the important thing if, or if they can't. But what I imagine them being able to do is important. And that's what the writer wants me to do. He wants me to imagine that they're, that they're there cheering me on. And, and by faith, hear the sound and the encouragement of the people that have already been there and already done that, helping me to get there and do that. I, I, I get strength from imagining that. I, I uh, uh, you know, just yesterday we said goodbye 
to another one of our founding members, Miriam Ostrowski. Many of you don't know her. She moved away several years ago uh, because of her health and, and to live near her daughter. And, and Marianne was one of the founding members of this church. And if you knew Marianne, you knew, you, to know her was to love her. She was not a woman that was famous or wealthy in any way. But you don't measure greatness by fame and wealth. You measure greatness by how well a person handles obstacles and difficulties. And this woman had some horrendous difficulties and obstacles in her life, but she was the most generous, humorous, loving, warm person that I knew. And now I imagine her cheering me on and rooting for us on a Sunday morning, cheering us on in this battle as we continue to follow Christ and walk for Christ. And so I just, I take strength in her and so many others that I know, that I respect for who they were in their faith. And it's like, you know, if they did it to the end, we can do it too. We can do it too. They can do it. These people of the Hebrew Scriptures, they were no different than you and me. They were not perfect people. They didn't have anything that you and I don't have. They were flawed and feeble, just like you are. They make mistakes, and some of them made some horrendous mistakes. But God still used them because they had their eye on the prize, and they kept moving forward. And so, you know, I just imagine the crowd in heaven and, their, their, and or the people surrounding me, and it's like, Okay, you, your neighbor is recovering from surgery and you, you decide, all right, I'm going to go over and bless them. I'm going to take them a meal. And I just to hear the crowd roar, wow, yeah. You turn down this tempting offer for some illicit pleasure and it's like, woohoo, way to go. That was great. You give beyond your tithe to support a missionary and it's like, yeah, hooray. And you know, when you bow your knees, and you give your life to Jesus. It says in the scriptures, all of heaven erupts. They give a standing O for you when you surrender your life to Jesus. And so when every day we put our eyes on the prize and we do the right thing, not just on Sundays, but every day we do that, hear the roar of the crowd cheering you on. And you can do it. You can do it because they did it. You can do it. When I played sports as a kid, I could always hear the voice of my dad in the crowd. Sometimes it was embarrassing, but it was always encouraging. You know, it was encouraging. And, and it helped me to think, I want to make my dad proud. And I think we do that. Um, so, so I pull strength from that. And, 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 you know, it says surrounded by these witnesses. Well, you know, just a little side note, the word witness Really, in the Hebrew script, in the in, in the uh, the New Testament, the Greek scripture, uh, you know, we think of a witness as uh, you know just somebody that sees something. A witness really comes from the word martyr. It's the word marturion. It's the word martyr. Uh, they bore witness to Jesus by giving their lives to Jesus and surrendering and sacrificing their lives for Jesus, and they bore witness to me and to you that no matter what comes my way, serving Jesus is worth it. Serving Jesus is worth it. So, don't get out of practice. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm battling a bit of a cold, so forgive me for hacking up here while I'm trying to talk to you. So, and, and here's the other thing. We don't always have to imagine a crowd around us because when we come together corporately, we're surrounded by other believers. I can't tell you the strength that you get 
from surrounding yourself with other people, from being in small groups with other people, by surrounding yourself with other people that are on the path. They're running the race. They're going to help you keep the race. They're going to help you stay on the path, right? Now, David didn't do it for me, but others will do it for you. So, you know, uh, uh, so keep on the path and surround yourselves with other people. In fact, just last week, uh, as you know, I was, uh, I was up in New York. My, my, my daughter and son-in-law live in Brooklyn, and the baby was born on Wednesday. So we had, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. By Sunday, it was like, uh, okay, I, 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 can, I can be somewhere other than next to the baby. And uh, uh, we, um, I decided to go to Brooklyn Tabernacle. I don't know if you ever heard of Brooklyn Tabernacle. The Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir you might have heard of. Um, and it's, it's, it's right in the downtown area. It's in walking distance from their place and right in downtown Brooklyn. And it's, they meet in an old theater, thousands of people. It's like the size of the Benetton uh, Center. It's an old theater that's been refurbished, filled with people of every color, every nation. It's and a 200-voice choir. And I, I just tasted a bit of heaven in that atmosphere last week surrounded by those people singing and worshiping and all of them singing and giving. And it's like, and I feel like that when I come here. When I'm surrounded by you and you're worshiping and we're singing together, it's just fantastic. So let's not get out of the practice of doing this. This helps you to keep your eye on the prize, right? Coming here is a practice that we do to revere God and be reminded of what's most important. So, Let's keep our eyes on the prize by surrounding ourselves with others that are going to help us get there. For where your eyes are set, you're going to get. Now, the second thing he talks about is let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In other words, we need to throw off all the restraints. Whatever's holding you back. And, I, and, and, it's, and, and you know, you just got to throw... Throw out the trash. How many of you know that when you clean your car, when you, when you get rid, when you do a nice vacuum and you get rid of all the stuff and you clean out the trunk and you wash all the dirt off it and you polish it, how many of you know that your car rides better? <laughs> Doesn't it? I mean, it just feels like it does. In the same way, when you clean out your trash in your life, your life runs better. Let's face it. Your life runs better when you clear out the trash in your life. Throw off the sin that's holding you back. Those things that you know are not the focus. And, and so if, if you're, where your eyes are set, you will get. And if your eyes are set on trouble, you're going to find trouble. If your eyes are set on sin, you're going to face the consequences of sin. If your eyes are set on Jesus, you're going to get a better life than if they're not. So let's set our eyes on Jesus. I don't know about you, but um, I... I this recurring dream. It's different, but it's the same kind of recurring nightmare. And uh, I think I might have told you about this before. And it's this, this, this feeling of needing to get somewhere, but I can't get there. You ever have that dream? And it's like, you know, I have to get to, a, uh, uh, maybe I have to get to church on a Sunday morning. I'm dreaming about it, and I'm running late, and I'm supposed to get up and speak, and I can't get there. And everything I do, I'm getting my car, and I'm getting behind the slowest person there could be. And, uh, uh, you know, they're running like the speed limit, and I can't stand that. And 
I'm trying to get where I need to go, and I see roadblocks, and 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 it's just my heart's racing. That's a sort of or or maybe it's I'm 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 being chased. By, that's even worse. I'm being chased by something, and my 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 legs are in like quicksand. Do you ever have that? Nobody has that. I'm the. <laughs> All right, I want to, who's the therapist that I can talk to about this? But that's, that's what, what life is like when we don't, when we surround, we get so easily distracted by all these things that are holding us down. And they're not always bad things. They're not always bad things. So, so what's holding you back? What's, what trash do you need to take out? What's, distracting you from Jesus and Jesus' will and, and ways for your life. All those things that hinder and hamper and obstruct and distract and, and all those things. It might be even good things. In fact, in fact, I would dare say that probably good things will distract you from Jesus more than the bad things. And, and let me explain that. Jesus told a parable one time. You remember the parable of the seeds or the sower and uh, the soils? And I uh, told the story about the sower goes out to plant the seeds. The seed, you know, the seed is the word of God. Some of it lands on the path. Some of it lands on the rocky. Some in the thorns, and some in the good soil. And 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 in the thorny soil, he says that this is like when the seed falls into a person's heart into their life. And it says that uh, that 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 it stands for those who hear, but on their way they are choked or distracted by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and therefore they don't mature as believers. By life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Don't say by life's sin. By life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And I would dare say to you that that's the condition of the American church today, right? The Christian in America, in my own life, it's the worries, riches, and pleasures that will distract me from keeping my eyes on Jesus and maturing. And so we need to be careful about that. We need to, so what are the worries in, that are distracting you from Jesus? What, what are the things that are taking a higher priority in your life than Jesus? How many of you check the stock market more than you read the word of God? Right? And how many of your moods go up and down based on how the market is more than what God says about who you are and what he has done and how much he loves you? You know, well, well, where your eyes are set, you will get. And you might say, well, I want riches. I want to set my eyes on my money. Well, let me just say this. You, you might get riches, but what does the Bible say? Right? What does the Bible say? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and some people eager for money have wound, wandered from the faith, right? Eager for money, they wandered from the faith. And it says that, that, uh, that they were, and they pierced themselves with many kinds of, relief, of, of griefs. And, and it says, Jesus said, nobody can serve two masters. You're gonna love one or hate the other, devoted to one, despise the other. You can't serve God and money. And another scripture in Hebrews 13, the next passage says, keep, the next verse, chapter says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Money will come and money will go, but Jesus will never leave you and never forsake you. And you're not gonna take the money with you. 
when you go see Jesus. And so I want Jesus to lead my life and teach me how to deal with my money, how to handle my money. Is money evil? No. The love of money is because it can distract you. Let money be a tool for you to serve Jesus, not something to distract you from Jesus. Use your money as a tool to serve Jesus and follow Jesus and invest in Jesus. Where your eyes are set, you will get. What good, the Bible says, will it be if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? So what Jesus said is seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness and everything else will be given to you as well. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough worries of their own. So set your eyes on Jesus and, and, and you will get a life of deep meaning and purpose. For the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus wants you to have life and have it to the full. And so the last thing in this text, he says, fix your eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't just wander through life and maybe just haphazardly you would find Jesus. No, it says fix your eyes. Following Jesus takes intentionality. It takes intentionality, like a pitcher on the pitcher's mound. I mean, don't you like this? Huh? Don't you like? How about our buckos? Huh? Thankful for the, uh, you get more cheers out of the buckos and the Steelers than we do out of, all right, whatever. <laughs> but, but, but think of Locke last night as he's on the mound, pitching one of the best games of his life. And, and, and do you think he just gets up there and he's kind of looking up in the crowd as he's throwing toward the... You can't throw strikes unless you are laser focused on what? On that catcher's bit. And, and because you have this laser focus on the catcher's mitt and you have some good hand-eye coordination, you can defeat the opponent. You can win. And, and, and no pitcher's going to get up there and just throw haphazardly while he's looking somewhere else because where your eyes are set, what? You will get. You will get. You will get. And I guarantee you, there are plenty of things in life that are going to grab your attention. So what you need to do is pay attention to Jesus because everything else is wanting to grab your attention. Lord knows with media the way it is today and entertainment options today, we have more things to pay attention to than ever. And if you're not intentional, that will be the place where you're going to just follow and lead your life and you get to the end of life. What did I do with my life? I sat there in front of the tube all my life. God forbid. Join a connect group. Join a contribute group. In fact, in fact um, you, the more and more people study happiness, the more it is confirmed over and over again that happiness doesn't come from seeking happiness. Happiness doesn't come from seeking pleasure. 
Happiness comes because we are social creatures of being in, interacting with other human beings and serving other people, reaching out to other people. That is the way of happiness. And what that does is just confirm what Jesus said. You, you sow, you reap. You give, you receive. That's the key to life. But when people are all about me and seeking pleasures and worrying about whether I have enough or I don't or worrying about this or that, you will be miserable. So let's put our eyes on Jesus and do, who Jesus, do what Jesus wants us to do and focus on that. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. So... Jesus talked about the final judgment, focusing on Jesus. I said, well, honey, what do you mean focus on Jesus? Well, here's, here's something I just feel led to talk about here for my final minutes. I think we focus our eyes on Jesus by seeing Jesus in any circumstance. Well, how can, does that mean I got to walk around with a crucifix or I got to, you know, have Jesus plastered all over my car or, you know, does that mean, I just, no, 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 no. I think what Jesus wants us to do is see Jesus in you and in me. See Jesus in every circumstance of life. Because revering God isn't just something we do Sunday morning. Revering God is something we should be doing all the time, every day. And if we can learn to see Jesus, how, well, how, what do you mean? How do we see Jesus? Well, Jesus talked about about the final judgment in Matthew 25 and where, where the righteous and the unrighteous are going to be separated like sheep and goats. And what will be the criteria of the separation? Will it be, well, they prayed the sinner's prayer back in 1973. No, the criteria that he uses, Jesus says, well, he said, if you feed me and clothe me and visit me when I'm in prison and when I'm, in, when I'm sick, and help me when I'm hurting? And they said, well, Jesus, when did we see you hurting and naked and, and in prison and sick? And Jesus said what? As much as you've done it for the least of these, you've done it to me. Wow. So how I treat others is really how I treat Jesus. You cannot say I love Jesus and hate your brother, the scripture says. Seeing Jesus in other people, not just people like you and who vote like you and look like you and you know, think like you, but seeing Jesus in all people is the challenge of how we get focused on Jesus. Seeing him in all circumstances, it takes intentionality to do that. When we see others as Jesus, we treat them differently, do we not? One of the big crises in the world today is... Uh, uh, the, refuge, the Syrian refugee crisis, right? I mean, it's all over the news. We see that. They said that half of the population of Syria has left that country because it's hell on earth there. A lot of them went to Jordan originally, and now they're heading to Europe, and the United States is opening their doors. And I, it, it, it irks me when I hear Christians say, 
we shouldn't accept them. They're Muslim. Well, first of all, a lot of Syrians are Christians. Damascus is where Apostle Paul was struck down and the gospel was spread. But yeah, they're primarily Muslim. Well, they're all Muslims are terrorists. No, they're not. Why do you think they're fleeing from that terror? The fact of the matter is, we need to see Jesus in them. But they don't have Jesus. But we need to see Jesus in them. That's the point. Well, what do you mean? Well, the Apostle Paul wrote, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, not the Hebrews, among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. God wanted people to see Christ in you before you had Christ in you. And if they couldn't see Christ in you before Christ was in you, they wouldn't have told you about Christ. We need to see Christ in people of all stripes. Does that mean they're Christians? No, but we see Christ in them and we treat them as Jesus would treat them. How do you think Jesus would treat refugees that are running from their lives? Excuse me. We don't have room for you? Of course. We need to be wise and discerning. My son-in-law works for the State Department. He's an asylum clerk. They, they weigh people seeking asylum. They vet them as best they can. They try to weed out terrorists. and They do everything they can to do that. But, but, but what would Jesus do? Right? What would Jesus do? And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the person that works next to you. Because that, that person, the alien you don't know, it's easier to love than the person that's sitting in the cubicle next to you. That's a harder problem probably for many of us. But can you see Jesus in the heart, the people that are hard to love? Jesus in you. Jesus in me. The Apostle Paul said, this is what we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul had a laser focus on reaching the people that his Hebrew brothers and sisters hated. And he spent his life seeking the Gentiles that the Jews despised. And the Jews were despised by the very people the Apostle Paul was sent to reach. And because he did, you and I are believers today. Think about that. Should we not be that kind of people to love our enemies as Jesus commanded us. Pray for the persecutors as Jesus said to do. Should we not be that kind? What if we were the kind of people, what if everybody saw Jesus and everybody else? How different would this world be, right? And we treated them as if we would treat them like Jesus. That's the challenge, folks. If we can revere God, if we can revere God by throwing off all the restraints, if we can revere God by hearing the crowd around us cheering us on, if we can revere God by seeing Jesus in the person sitting next to you and in front of you and behind you, 
But more importantly, the person that you meet on the bus, the person that you meet in the store, the person that you meet that looks and acts and believes differently than you. If you can see Jesus in them, maybe then they could see Jesus in them too. And then maybe they could receive Jesus too. That's what I believe keeping our laser focus is all about. Amen? And I pray for you because I know that it's easy to get astray. I know it's easy to get distracted in my own life. I can, I can get distracted by a lot of great things. But today, I want you to say, Jesus, help me to get my eyes back on you. Help me to get my eyes back on you. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Let's go ask the band to come. Jesus, today we want to be focused on you. We want to revere you and put you first, seek you first above all things in your kingdom. We want you to be the leader of our life. We know that it's so easy to get distracted. It's easy to wander. It's easy to go straight. And Lord, we confess today that we've done that. We confess it's so easy to do and forgive us for that today. Maybe somebody here today just needs to say that. Jesus, forgive me for, for putting other things in priority over you. Forgive me for getting us straight. Forgive me for the the way that I have gone, that I know I'm in a scarier place now, and I need to get back to you, Jesus. So, Jesus, I come back to you. Would you just say that right now if that's you? Jesus, I want to come back to you. I want to come back to you today, and I want to see you and follow you and go to the place that you want to take me in my own moral life, in my own personal life, in my own outward life. In my own relationships with other people, help me see people as Jesus sees them and see Jesus in them. God, that's my prayer. I need that. I pray that for all of us. And as a church, as a whole, I pray that also. In Jesus' name, help us to see you and follow you. Let's just just pray the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.